Well, uh, we are blessed this morning to have a guest uh, preacher, but uh, he, while he's a guest, uh, he's certainly one who is well-known by our church. Uh, he has been a pastor, has been an assistant pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, and today he serves as a, a soul-winning uh, evangelist missionary around the world with a focus, especially on India. Uh, God has used him to win thousands, tens of thousands to Christ in his years. I knew him just a few months after he got saved, back way back when, down in Southern California. And uh, he has never stopped, he never looked back. He's one of those people that never looked back, he and his precious wife and family. His little uh, track that he wrote, um, The Question, I was thinking earlier today, there are hundreds of thousands of those all around the world, and we use it as our primary information here to get out the gospel. And so, anyway, we're just so blessed to have, and I want you to give a warm welcome, a home church welcome to Pastor Mike Robinette, if you would. Yeah. Test, test. Okay, it's over in Bibles to John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen. I got a clock here. I'll take my watch off and put it here. So everybody feel comfortable that I know what time it is. Pastor Tim said I could preach as long as I want, but you go home at 12 o'clock, so... <laughs> I'm still preaching and your lunch is burning, I won't get mad when you just wave at me on your way out. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read John chapter 4, the verse, 10 verses, and then we'll uh, use one verse for our subject title today and tie, tie the others in. Okay, we have that on the screen for everybody to look at. John chapter 4, maybe not. There we go. Thank you. John chapter 4, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The Bible says in verse number 4, And he must needs go through Samaria. There's an outline sheet in your bulletin. You want to write down the, uh, the blanks there? All you have to do is write down five words. Everything else there is, is there. But uh, today I'm going to use that thought 
in verse number 4. And I'm going to preach on this subject, the life of Christ in four words. The life of Christ in four words. The Bible says of Jesus, he must needs go. Uh, this, this morning we've seen the theme of the Vacation Bible School. And this morning I'm going to preach a culmination of everything that was taught in Vacation Bible School this week. There was five of us pastors who had the opportunity to preach every day. And uh, each of us preached on a different theme. And so my sermon today is about each of those themes. Uh, this was not necessarily planned that way. Uh, before Vacation Bible School, I already felt like God would have me to preach from this verse. And then after Vacation Bible School, it was like, I know that God wants me to preach on this verse. And so those of you who are, wasn't, were not able to be here to participate in the Vacation Bible School, at least we'll get to see all the things that the boys and girls learned this week. And then, uh, praise God for the offering that's going to go to India. Uh, thank you, thank you, Vacation Bible School kids. Thank you for parents for sending them. What a great blessing that is. And uh, uh, not everyone will see it because it's a little crowded when we leave the lobby. But if you do leave the lobby today and you, as you're going out, just glance on the right there, our little mission board, you'll see a picture of me and Pastor Yesu. And Pastor Yesu is a well-deserved national pastor. Uh, we support him with the money that we take in for our ministry. And uh, this uh, year as I was there, we were able to buy Pastor Yesu another brand new motorcycle. This is the second motorcycle that I bought him. And one of the reasons, because I sit on the back of that motorcycle and ride many, many miles. So I'm saying that to say that... Uh, that money will certainly go to be used for the Lord's work in whatever way, rescuing, rescuing a girl from temple prostitution or buying a pastor a motorcycle, whatever. God will get the glory. So let's pray. Bow our heads for prayer, asking God to speak to our hearts, and I'll ask God to, to, use, to use me. I don't know why he would, but for some reason he, he does, and so I'm going to ask him to do it one more time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Lord. We have been here, Lord. We have watched these children, Lord. But, Lord, more than that, what's been put in their heart this week is going to help turn the world upside down. We thank you, Jesus, for your church, your churches. And I pray, dear Lord, you'd be glorified. Help me to glorify you so you can bless your people and speak to hearts today. Change our lives and cause someone to do what we've sang about, to give their life to you and follow you. In your name I pray. Amen. Those of us familiar with this portion of Scripture, we would probably refer to it as the woman at the well. But from verse number four, I see it differently. I see it as the life of Christ in four words. I won't take time to give all the examples, but we usually do that with so many places in the Bible. We title them as one thing, but God had another intention. Uh, so this is not about the woman at the well. This is about the Lord who met the woman at the well. Another example would be the, 
prodigal son. We call that the prodigal son discourse. But it's not about the prodigal son. It's about the loving father. And so today I want to preach about the life of Christ in four words. In my uh, uh, library, in my office, I have, God has blessed me with some books. And uh, on one of my shelf of books, I have a section uh, that uh, is about the life of Christ. Probably takes up five or six big volume books. And the people have done well to tell us about the life of Christ. And uh, Pastor Tim would have a section of books on that. Pastor Luke would have a section of books on that. Anybody who's a pastor <coughs> has sections of books on the life of Christ. Well, just like the Holy Spirit does in everything, he condenses the life of Christ down to four words. And that is, he must needs go. The Bible says Jesus must needs go. And so our text reveals that Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee... But he first must go through Samaria. And like any good preacher, I always read a commentary or two about the discourse that I'm talking from and to see what enlightenment I can get from uh, commentators. And one, one of the commentaries I read from my Bible program that Pastor Luke was so nice to install for me a few years ago said this, so there was no uh, real reason Jesus went through Samaria other than you had to go through Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee. And as I read that, I, if it had been a book, I'd have thrown it away, but I couldn't throw it because it was in my computer. But he missed the whole point. Jesus didn't go through Samaria just to get to Galilee. He went through Samaria because there was somebody that was there that needed him. He went through Samaria on purpose. He had a reason for going through Samaria. So they missed the whole point. It was a must. It was needful for him to go through Samaria. Now I know that when we say he must needs go through Samaria, to those of you who are uh, uh, correct on your grammar, that's in our vernacular, that wouldn't be a very nice way to say it. We might say it this way. He must go because it's needful. He went through Samaria because it was needful. So the life of Christ is summed up in those four words. He must needs go. And that's why he went through Samaria. So here's our, here's our outline. You have it in your book, your notes, you have it in front of you. First of all, he must needs go when his father sent him to this world. He must needs go when the father sent him to this world. We're going to be looking at several verses, and I wouldn't suggest you try to turn to them, so just keep your Bibles open to John chapter 4. But look at verse number 34 of John chapter 4, if your Bible's open there. Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus says, What satisfies my life is to do the will of my Father because he is the one who sent me. In John chapter 17, verse number 3, we'll make uh, several comments on this. This is called the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying the night before he is crucified. This is the real Lord's prayer. In John chapter 17, verse number, number 3, Jesus said that God the Father sent him to this world. God sent Jesus to this world. 
So when God the Father sent Jesus to the world, then Jesus must needs go because the Father sent him. This is a side note. <clears throat> that should be a great example in our life. But the reason why we should do things is because God wants us to do it. That's a good enough reason. And if you're here this morning, you wonder why I should go to church. Well, God wants us to go to church. That's a good enough reason. God wants us to read the Bible. God wants us to pray. And so the Bible says that God the Father sent Jesus. Not only that, the Bible says that it was planned before the foundation of the world. God had planned before the world was created that he would send Jesus, his son, to specifically die on the cross because Revelation 13, verse number 8, says that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So it was planned in eternity. In John chapter 1, the familiar scripture to many of us, in verse number 10, the Bible says that Jesus made the world and he was in the world, but the world knew him not. The Bible says he came into the world, but the world would not receive him. But as many as received him, the Bible says, became the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. In verse 14 of that great chapter, the Bible says, And he was, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So God in eternity, the Father, asked Jesus, God the Son, to come and die on the cross, and that was before the mankind had ever sinned. What love that is, which brings us to the next point. It was not only planned in eternity, but it was planned because of God's love. Almost all of us could quote this verse. And by the way, this is a verse that every Christian should know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was the love of God that planned in eternity that his son would come and die on the cross for me and for you. God's love. He loved his son, but he gave him for us. In John 17, verse 24, Jesus said, Father, restore the glory that we had with one another in eternity. When you, uh, the, the love that you have for me, let that love be with uh, those who believe in me. So God loved his son, but yet God sent his son to die for me. The person that God loved the most, he gave to die in my place. He gave to die in your place. Recently I was sharing with someone, as I was talking about Jesus dying on the cross, and I used my granddaughter who was just here with me for a couple of weeks, gone back to San Diego, and I was given the illustration of... Uh, when I go to India, I rescue young girls from temple prostitution, Hindu temple prostitution. And I gave the illustration. I said, suppose that there was a young girl and we had rescued her from temple prostitution, but uh, they were, uh, for some reason, they, they were making her go back to that area where the temple is and they were making her live that vile lifestyle. I said, suppose that I had such love for that young girl that I said, well, let's do this. Let's let the young girl stay here and let my granddaughter go take her place. Certainly I would not do that. You would not do that. That's why we cannot understand the love of God. 
Because God, who loved Jesus more than anybody could love anything, God sent His Son to die in my place. And God sent His Son for us. It was planned in eternity. God had already planned it. Jesus had already said, Father, I will go if you want me to go. So he must needs go when the Father uh, sent him to this earth. And that's why the Bible says in 1 John 4.10, that herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the definition of love, my friend, that God loved us so much that he sent his Son to come and die on the cross. So he must needs go because the Father sent him. Secondly, Jesus must needs go when he went to the lost and needy of this world. He must needs go when he went to the lost and needy of the world. That was his purpose for coming. Luke 19.10, the Bible says of Jesus that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for that reason. He came and he did what he came to do. He came to seek the lost and he came to help the needy. That's what Jesus did when he was here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. The Bible says he went to all the cities, all the villages, preaching the gospel, healing the sick. And the Bible says he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them. And he said to the disciples, pray ye, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his field. When I'm in India... I get to do a lot of things, but one of the blessed things that I get to do, those of you who heard my presentation over the years, you know this, is to go to villages where no missionary has ever gone, where no foreigner has ever been, and that happens each year, at least a, 12, a dozen villages I go to where no missionary or no foreigner has ever gone. And I go there, I work with the Dalits, the untouchables, we go to the leper colonies, I feed some people, I help some people and help some poor pastors. I pray for people and uh, share the gospel with people. And it's at those moments that I feel more connected with Jesus than I do any other time because I know that's what Jesus would be doing if he was here. I know that that's what Jesus did when he was here. Jesus went and he looked for those that are lost. And he sought those that were needy. And he had compassion on the lonely. And he had compassion on the sick. And he went around ministering and giving his life out. And pouring his life out so someone else could have a better life. That's what Jesus did. He must needs go. He must needs go to those that were lost. He must needs go to those that were needy. That's why he must go through Samaria, by the way. Uh, as I can't prove this from the scripture, but I can make the connection. Before we were ever created, before the foundation of the world, before the moon and the sun was put in the sky... God already decided he would send his son to die for me. That's mercy. That's grace. That's the sovereignty of God. And so if God knew that, another scripture, Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So God had a specific time. Jesus came when he was supposed to. He was born when he was supposed to. He died when he was supposed to. Then when I put all that together, I come to the conclusion 
But Jesus in eternity knew that that woman would be coming to draw water and Jesus must needs go to Samaria so he can be there when she came to draw the water. Thank God for the, for the, for the uh, omniscience of Jesus. That Jesus knew this woman was going to... That's why he needed to go there. Because he was going to meet this woman who was coming to the well. Thank you, Lord. I'll preach about this in just a moment. But uh, it reminds me of what Jesus did for you and I. Jesus came. He planned it in eternity. He came so one day he could meet Mike Robinette. He came so one day he could meet you. And so he came to this, this woman. And this is not the, the sermon, but I would share, just share a couple of things. And we can see it from the scripture. He came because there was a lost woman and a needy woman. She came to draw water in verse number 7 and Jesus was sitting there. By the way, the, this is another sermon itself. The Bible says in verse 7 that when Jesus came to the well, he sat there on because he was weary. I remind us, Jesus was God in the flesh and because he took up the human form, I remind us that Jesus got tired. He was tired. He was weary. He was tired from walking and traveling. But yet he went there to meet this woman. I remind us that Jesus suffered cold. He suffered heat. He suffered rejection. He suffered loneliness. He suffered pain. When he died on that cross, he suffered every pain that anyone else would experience. And so she, he came to this woman. And so from the scriptures, I, I concur, number one, that this was a sinful woman in verse number 29. Read, read the whole chapter when you get home and glean all the great things. In verse number 29, Jesus had talked to the woman and she went back to the city to, to talk to the other people and here's what she told them. She said, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. So Jesus, she said, this person told me all things ever I did. She didn't say this person told me how wonderful I was. Uh, she didn't say this person read my horoscope, by the way. She didn't say he told my future. Anybody can play like they're doing that. She said he told me all things I ever did. And again, you read the scripture, you'll find out what Jesus told her. Jesus said, uh, she, Jesus said I have some water that if you drink, you'll never thirst again. And she said, Lord, get, she, said, she said to him, not knowing he was the Lord yet, give me this water. And Jesus said, go call your husband. And Jesus was setting her up. And I, in my notes in my Bible, I got, uh-oh, written by that. <laughs> Jesus said, go call thy husband and come hither. And uh, uh, he dropped the bomb on her. Because she said, uh, she said uh, she, he said, go you call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Tried to evade it. And Jesus said, I know you don't have a husband, but you've had five husbands, and the man that you're now with is not your husband. And, and the, so the next verse, she said, I, you must be a prophet. <laughs> she said, there's something different about you. So Jesus dropped this bomber. Now, I've given this woman at the well a, a bad time in preaching in the past, and I really can't prove it. The Bible doesn't say she had been married and divorced five times. It said she had five different husbands. Maybe she killed them all. I don't know. All I know is she had, all I know is she had Jesus said, you've had five husbands. 
Chances are, though, she had been married and divorced. Chances are she has had some terrible experiences in her life. Whatever happened, she went to the men and she said, I want you to come and meet this man. He told me all things ever I did. And by the way, that's why we know that this woman repented. We repent because there's a God who knows all things that ever we did. There's a God who knows all things that ever we did. Thank God we can repent. Thank God we can ask Jesus to save her. He knows all things. I was talking to one of the persons I talked to yesterday, the many people I talked to, and he said, I just don't get it, but you can ask, a murderer can ask Jesus to save them and forgive them and he'll do it. He said, I just don't get it. And I said, you better thank God a murderer can be saved or you couldn't be saved or I couldn't be saved. He knows all things we've ever did. If you're here this morning and you've never repented before a holy God, let me remind you, my friend, he knows all things ever you did. If there was anybody in this room who knew all things I ever did, I would, not, I would be too embarrassed to stand here right now. Pastor Tim knows a lot about me, knows a lot of things I've done. But if he knew everything about me, I, I couldn't stand here and preach. I'd be embarrassed. There's one person, and don't look so naive, my friend, you wouldn't either. <laughs> you wouldn't want to come up here if I knew everything about you. I promise you that. But there's one person knows everything we ever did. And he loves us anyway. That's why he died on the cross. That's why you don't have to go to hell. And I don't want to stand before God and happen to give an account. And thank God I don't. My sins are washed in the blood of Jesus. They're removed as far as the east is from west and buried in the deepest sea. So she was sinful. No doubt she was shameful. Because when Jesus said, go call your husband, she didn't fess up. She didn't say, well, you know, I've had a bad life. My, my life has been sordid. <clears throat> Truth of the matter is I've been an adulteress. I've been married five times. I'm shacking up with this guy right now. She didn't come clean. <clears throat> so, so Jesus reminded her of her sin. And no doubt she was a shameful person. My dad left my mom when I was two years old. No fault of my mom. He left, left me and my two sisters. And I didn't understand it all when I was a child. I, I often wondered why people shunned us. I always wondered why people didn't invite us to church. I often wondered why the churches in our town never came to our door and never told us about Jesus. And this is for another sermon, but the, because of that, that's one reason why I think Pastor Tim I was, had a heart for the bus ministry. Because every time I went to those bus kids who didn't have dads, I, I thought, I wish some church would have came. That's why I have a heart for vacation Bible school. I wish that somebody would have invited me to vacation Bible school. So we know that she had, had shame because when, when you sin and when people look down on you, and could, could you imagine? I mean, it's, it's, it's shameful in these days. Except if you're in Hollywood. But anyway, it, it's shameful in these days. Our sin should be. But could you imagine 2,000 years ago? Could you imagine the, the, the ridicule? Can you imagine the gossip? Could you imagine the shame? 
But thank God she was a searching woman. Verse 14, but Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall thirst, never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. She was searching. Write down, if you're taking notes, this wonderful psalm, Psalm 69, verse 19 through 20. This is a messianic scripture. It's Jesus speaking before he ever came to the earth. And Jesus was speaking. And Jesus said that he felt the shame of sin. Jesus said he felt the shame of rejection. And so thank God this morning that whatever we're going through, whether it's shame, whether it's guilt, whatever sin is in our life, thank God this morning Jesus came to give us living water. Jesus came to pay our debt. Jesus came to free us. Jesus came so we could be whole. And Jesus came so that even though others may reject and shame us, that he accepts us. What a wonderful picture. What a wonderful story we've had. By the way, that psalm would have been her story. She could have written that scripture. She could have written, I have sorrow, I have shame. I, I've, been, I've been rejected. And by the way, that's my story also. And that's your story also. Just before I came up here, I was in Los Angeles to see my sisters. And while I was there, I uh, got to stay in a church's missions apartment for a while. And I got to preach at a church I worked at uh, on the Sunday before I came up here. And I also had the privilege of driving out through the valley from Los Angeles down to 605 uh, through Baldwin Park. Uh, Baldwin Park is where my wife and I got saved. I then drove out to Pomona and went to the Central Baptist Church where Pastor Tim and I first met. In our days, I drove around by where we used to live and the, on our bus route there. And as I was doing that, uh, reminiscing how the Lord came to me because he knew that I was going to be there and he came to me just like he came to that woman at the well. Jesus came to me. Uh, I, I often uh, uh, jab California because I consider myself a Californian. And there's a lot of things, bad things about California. But you know why I love California? That's where Jesus met me. I moved from Kentucky to the boy and uh, got into the hippie lifestyle in Los Angeles. But thank God Jesus must needs go. And Jesus came and found me. And Jesus saved me. And how, what a wonderful memory lane I had as I was remembering where Jesus found me and Jesus saved me, just like he did to this woman. I was out visiting last night. <clears throat> you, I wish you could have been there because you won't believe this story because I was all by myself. That's why, that's, that's why it's sometimes... Uh, not fun to go by yourself because the best stories I had by myself and nobody was there to witness it. Nobody was there to see it happen. But I, I went to a street, I got out of my car and I was thinking, okay, where should I go and where, where should I start? And there was a lady down that end so I got my door knockers and was going down that way. And as I was walking by, there was a guy standing in, the, in his yard and so I saw him, I stopped, I gave him a, an invitation to our concerts, gave him a track and the... <clears throat> As God is my witness, he said this. He said, how do you find Jesus? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, in 44 years of soul winning, I don't think that's ever happened to me. He said, how do, you, how do you find Jesus? Well, I've been preparing this sermon. I've been thinking about it. And I said, Jesus done found you. <laughs> I said, you don't have to find Jesus. I said, Jesus lives in me, and he sent me right here to talk to you. And that's how Jesus works, amen? I don't know where you were at, my friend, but let me say Jesus found you. He came where you were. He must needs come to Stockton. He must needs come to Lodi. He must needs come to wherever he met you. Jesus came because he loved you. He came to seek. He came to save you. He came to bless you. He came to forgive you. He came to take away the shame. He came to give you everlasting life just like he did me. He must needs. Thank you, God. You must needs go. In verse 25 and 26, read it when you get home. Finally, the woman's getting it. Can you imagine this awesome conversation going on here? The guilt she was feeling, the shame she was feeling. And, and she said, first she called him a prophet. Now she's get, she goes, I've heard the Messiah is going to come. <laughs> so this is more than a, this is more than a prophet. Uh, and Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I that speak unto you. And so this woman discovered who the Messiah was. She discovered who Jesus was. And then, last thought on this before we close. In verse 29, the Bible says she went back to the city. She told all the men. Her, her excitement was so real. She was like these vacation Bible school kids. I love that song. Said, jump up and down. It's so exciting. Jump up and down. And she was so excited. She went back to the city, and her testimony was so uh, wonderful that the men of the city came to see this man that she was talking about. I put in my notes right here. A sinful Samaritan became a soul-winning saint. A sinful Samaritan became a soul-winning saint. Yes, never know. By the way, in 44 years of being a Christian... 40 years of being a preacher, it's been my observation that usually the most, the people who love Jesus the most, Jesus even gave an illustration to the Bible. He said, of another woman. He said, who's forgiven the most, loves me the most. It's been my observation that some of the most sinful women become the most sensitive Christians and love Jesus more than anybody. There's something about a sinful woman who, who gets Jesus in their life. They, they turn the world upside down. Yes, true of us men too, but it's been my observation. Probably because I live with Linda. <laughs> uh, when my wife got saved, she got on fire for Jesus, and her flame has not gone out. Her flame has not gone out. She's still on fire for Jesus. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Thirdly, he must needs go when he went to the cross. He must needs go when he went to the cross. The Bible says in Philippians 2.8 that Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When God the Father asked Jesus to come, Jesus knew what he was coming to do. He was coming to die on the cross. The terrible death of the cross. The punishment of the cross. The whipping of the cat of nine tails. The beating of the hundred men. The crown of thorns put on his scalp. 
the nails driven through his hands, the nails driven through his feet, the raising on the cross and his bones coming out of socket, the pain and the agony of dying on the cross, but Jesus must needs go when he went to the cross. He went to the cross because it was necessary. He needed to go to the cross. In Luke 22, verse 42, the night before the, cru the crucifixion, Jesus said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's uh, any other way besides me going to the cross, let, let something else happen. And by the way, it was possible. God the Father could have stopped it. And the Bible says of Jesus, Jesus said himself, I could call 12 legions of angels and they would come right now and keep you from crucifying me. He said to Pilate, you have no power over me. The only power you have is what's given to you. So Jesus went to the cross. He must needs go to the cross. It was possible that he didn't, but the need was too great. The only way I could be saved was that he went to the cross. The only way for the Samaritan to be saved was that he went to the cross. The only way for you to be saved is that he went to, to the cross. There's no religion. There's no amount of works. There's no good deeds. There's no other philosophy. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. We go to India not because we don't love Hindus and Muslims. We go to India because there's only one person who died on the cross and that's Jesus. We go out on the streets and we tell people about Jesus not because there's not other churches, not because there's not other religions, because there's only one Savior and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He must needs go, or you and I could not be saved. He came and he finished. John 19, 30, the last words Jesus spoke, we believe, was when he said, it is finished. It is finished. He came and he finished what the Father sent him to do. It's finished. Salvation's paid for. It's done. There's nothing else to get us to heaven. And then fourthly, for the sake of our notes... I won't develop these last two points other than just to mention them. Fourthly, when he, went, he must needs go when he went back to heaven. In John 16, 7, Jesus says, after he rose from the grave, he said, it's expedient for you to, that I go to heaven. For if I go not to heaven, the Holy Ghost cannot come and live within you. But because Jesus went back to heaven, he gave all of us believers the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. That's why I could tell that man last night I talked to, Jesus came to you. He's in me. He knew you would be here. He loves you. And he sent me to tell you. So Jesus fulfilled, is in all the believers. And so we, we, now have, we're, we now have the Holy Spirit in us. We're now the ambassadors of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we're Jesus' ambassador. An ambassador is someone who represents their king. We represent, where that word goes, we represent Jesus. We present Jesus to people. We tell them. Now God has allowed us to be needful. I'll give you this point and then I'll give you the last answer. The disciples came back to Jesus in John chapter 4. They <clears throat> saw him talking to this woman, were amazed, and they offered him some food. And Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you don't know anything about. I have something that satisfies that you don't know anything about. I wish I could preach a sermon on this. Maybe I write one or Pastor Tim, Pastor Luke will. But <clears throat> Jesus said to them, 
I, not only was the woman excited, but Jesus was excited because he went there and he got to talk to one person and he led one person to himself and he said, this is what makes me have excitement. This is what I live for. This is my Father's will. So I suggest to you and I that God has allowed you and I also to be needed. Somebody needs me. Somebody needs you. I don't know who it is, but there's somebody that needs you to love them to Jesus. There's somebody that needs me to love them to Jesus. And I don't necessarily look forward to getting on that plane and flying 9,000 miles. And I don't necessarily look forward to going to the places I've got to go. But the exciting thing about getting back to India, there's somebody there who needs me. <laughs> somebody needs me to come there. I, God didn't have to make it that way, but thank God he did. And then in conclusion, when the father says, Son, go get your church, Jesus must needs go. One day Jesus is coming back for us. And God is going to say, go get your bride. Go get your church. And Jesus must needs go. The Bible reminds us that one day the, the voice of God's going to sound, the trumpet of God's going to sound, and Jesus is going to come in the clouds and he's going to say, come home, church, and the dead in Christ shall raise, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So we got great comforting words today. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back because when God says, go get your church, he must needs come. He's coming back. Thank you, Jesus. He must needs go, and so must I. He must needs go, and so must you. Let's bow our heads for the closing prayer. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.